0: Good morning and welcome to The Morning Briefing. We are now on episode 172. It is March 31st, 2022. Tomorrow's April Fool's Day. We get it a day early because you got me here hosting the program. We are missing Phil today. Phil's got some uh, other business he's got to attend to. So I am uh, flying solo today as far as the hosting duties. But we do have our producer Nick here with us as always, who you'll uh, get to hear from in a minute. And then today, back by popular demand, we have Jim Plunkett uh, from Ogletree's uh, Washington, D.C. office. Jim, uh, oh, Jim, your video just dis- just disappeared there. You're back. Uh, back by popular demand, we've got Jim with us. And uh, as everybody knows, Jim Plunkett is Ogletree's uh, head-, head of legislative affairs and uh, lobbying. Uh, uh, over in our D.C. office, and Jim's going to give us a uh, talk on all things going on in the Biden administration and with the administrative agencies. Before we get there, Nick, I wanted to say hello to you. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing good. good. See, what the audience doesn't know is that uh, without Phil, Burt just gets free reign, and he gets to come up with all kinds of fun, crazy things to do. So I'm working on those right now.
0: Good, good. All right. Well, good to hear from you, Nick. So, uh, so we, we've got a poll question for you. The first poll question that we're going to ask uh, is uh, on your screen there. And uh, we wanted to know from employers, uh, the Biden administration is contemplating changes to the Fair Labor Standards Act, overtime regulations, and will likely attempt to raise the salary basis threshold above the current uh, thirty-five thousand, thirty-five thousand uh, dollar number. How would this impact your company? And we've got some responses for you. We'll we'll get to those again. So let me let me get to our featured guest today, who which which is uh, like I said, Jim Plunkett. Uh, we're we we know that there's all kinds of things going on in Washington D.C. these days. Uh, uh, we're going to largely stay away from probably two of the topics, which is the war going on in Ukraine. Uh, we, we aren't going to make that the focus of, of what's going on and also the runaway uh, inflation that's taking place. Uh, we'll only touch on those to the extent they relate to labor and employment. We won't be offering much commentary uh, on those two topics generally. But, uh, Jim, what is going on in D.C.? What's the climate Uh, in D.C. I'll remind you that uh, on our program we've got uh, uh, mainly H.R. and higher level executives, uh, you know, a lot of pro-business folks on uh, the program, and they want to know what to be prepared for, uh, what's going on, what is the direction of this administration. We're a year and a quarter into the Biden administration. Really. It seems from my perspective, the Department of Labor has only been very active the last year or so. Uh, we'll talk about why that is, and that the Department of, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, NLRB and the EEOC have not been quite as active, and we'll talk about that. But why don't you get, give us kind of a, uh, a an overview of what's been going on and what we might start to see happening from those agencies.
2: Sure, Bert, and uh, thank you again for, for, for having me. Uh, so obviously a lot to unpack there. I'm just going to start talking, and I'll, I'll try to pause a little bit, Bert, and so you can you know ask some questions about the the, the points that I raise. Uh, the I'll, the first thing that I'll start off with is you know you mentioned the war, and yes, that doesn't really have a, a direct impact on labor and employment policy, but at least in our our Congress, they 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 have a difficult time walking and chewing gum at the same time. Uh, so when sort of other issues uh, come to the forefront that sort of takes the, the the air out of the room and and really hobbles Congress's ability to to um, address the, the agenda, the roadmap that they had you know planned out for you know weeks and months and even years ahead. Uh, what we saw the last two years with COVID is a, a great example, right? think of all the time and energy and and resources they spent getting together, I think it was roughly uh, about six uh, COVID-19 related relief packages through Congress. That takes a lot of time, right? So the time that they're doing that is time that they're not doing other issues, right? So that's just something to keep in the back of your mind about Congress. Um, Well, and
0: and Jim, let me say, I guess it's uh, almost a little coincidental, they they spent their time dealing with... uh, Six COVID-related bills that, uh, if my math is somewhat correct, uh, those six bills ended up totaling overall, I think, somewhere between like six and eight trillion dollars, uh, which is part of the part of the what a lot of economists are saying uh, is is the reason behind a lot of the inflation that we're seeing right now. Just one right. of the reasons,
2: R- right? And but we're still just to keep on the, the COVID theme because, right, we got to. Um, I think it's required by law. Anytime you do one of these uh, uh, conferences, right, you have to talk about COVID-19. There's talk about, you know, Democrats want to do another package. uh, And there's a handful of Democratic senators who would really like to see a return to the emergency paid family leave and emergency paid sick leave that we saw in the Families First Coronavirus Response Act that was enacted in, in 2020. Um, they want to see that as part of the package, despite the fact that, you know, everything has changed and, and we're, we're, we're so far away from where we were in 2020 in terms of um, the, our understanding of the virus, the impact of the virus and just our economy. Um, but that conversation uh, is something that's not going to go away People, because we did that. There are going to be folks of uh, some of our legislators who think that that's a program that should be made uh, permanent. Uh, so just something to consider. Those talks are sort of still in the early stages. You mentioned the, all all that money, Bert. The Republicans are saying, you know, well, we'll maybe sit down and have a conversation with you about COVID relief uh, if it's if it's needed. But let's get an accounting first of the money that's been spent because so much of that money has not not been spent. I know at least my kids, like our, our school district, some of the money that they got in, in uh, I think, the CARES Act is not even scheduled to be spent for another couple of years. So that's what de- uh, Republicans are, um, uh, uh, concerned about.
0: Um, well, I think here in St. Louis, I think our city of St. Louis and our county of St. Louis still has not, uh, for the most part decided how they are going to be spending a lot of the COVID relief money. We know that the federal government, uh, has spent it, but, uh, we don't know what every, what everybody's done with it or, or haven't has not done with it yet.
2: Right. Right. All right. So let's start uh, uh, focusing in here, Bert, on some some real labor and employment uh, nitty gritty uh, policy items. So uh, you mentioned that Congress is, um, you know, maybe unlikely to get things done. There's not going to be any major labor and employment legislation passed, I don't think, um, uh, for the remainder of the year. With with one exception, this is not very major. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Congress enacts. The Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. Uh, this is um, uh, a bill that's very much modeled off of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it would require employers to provide um, accommodations to pregnant workers in the workplace. Most of these accommodations are things that are very easy and that employers can, you know, can easily provide, like uh, more frequent bathroom breaks or easing of lifting restrictions. The bill passed the House. Uh, with a, a, a very big majority, I think 100 Republicans voted for it. It's got the support of uh, business groups in D.C. It's made it through the committee and in, in, in the Senate. It's just waiting for Senator Schumer to bring it to the floor. I do think this is something that you, that um, that Republicans might not filibuster. That in so, in other words, that Chuck Schumer could get at least 10 Republicans to vote for this bill. Um, You know, if I were Chuck Schumer, I'd think about bringing it to the floor in a little over a month, right around Mother's Day. I think the optics there, uh, you you know, would look really good. Um, But so that's something that could pass. Of course, President Biden would sign that. I think you'd all be able to to handle it. Um, But we're not going to see things like the PRO Act. Um, get the the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, which we've talked about before, um, which would really, you know, flip current federal labor law on its head. We're not going to see that get, well, get passed. And
0: and not only current labor law, but it would flip, uh, you know, probably fifty, sixty years of labor law on its head. Uh, and the the focus of that piece of legislation, it's all designed to make it much easier for unions to organize businesses. And then to make uh, unionized businesses make it more difficult uh, to get rid of unions, and frankly, to uh, to operate uh, without heavy involvement from the unions themselves.
2: Right, and and so that leaves uh, the, much of the policy making that we're going to see in the next uh, six to twelve months uh, left in the hands of the the regulatory agencies, and you mentioned a few of them: Burt, DOL, and. EEOC and NLRB. And let's start with DOL. Uh, okay. Because, and, you know, and
0: Jim, that's that's a great time. We we do have the, uh, the poll question ready to roll here. So again, the Biden administration is contemplating changes to the Fair Labor Standards Act overtime regulations and will likely attempt to raise the salary basis threshold above the current $35,000. How would this impact your company? The first uh, response is it won't or it wouldn't. The second is we would consider making changes to our workforce, including promotions to exempt status, reductions in staff and outsourcing. Third, we would consider automating part of our business. Four, it doesn't matter. An adult uh, should never... uh, It doesn't matter. An adult should never respond to words with violence, especially during a nationally televised awards show. Nick, I think you snuck that one in on me. And five, we have heard nothing about this until today. So if we have, uh, uh, we'd love to hear your responses on how uh, this change would affect your business. And since we're moving into the DOL while people are responding, uh, Jim, maybe you could talk, talk first about uh, what the what the administration's considering there.
2: Sure. So <clears throat> the President Biden and the
0: administration
2: suffered a pretty significant blow in terms of their 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 regulatory and enforcement agenda, at least in the, the wage and hour space, just last night, because their nominee to run the Department of Labor's wage and hour division, a man by the name of David Weil, uh, he got voted down on the, the Senate floor, and it's the first uh nominee that president biden has put forward uh since he's been president that has been rejected on the the senate floor you know some of his nominees haven't you know they've withdrawn or he's withdrawn them uh but this is the first time that they've actually put a nominee on the floor and they've gotten rejected which is pretty big because um you know there's an old saying like or nancy pelosi famously said you know i don't put bills on the floor that are gonna lose right most of the time the leaders of the parties, they know whether they're going to win or lose, right? It's not like Game of Thrones where they're sort of chewing on their nails and wondering if a bill is going to pass. They know ahead of time who's going to vote for what, right? And so that's why I was a little bit surprised last night that while David Weil lost, if that name sounds familiar, it's because David Weil was the wage and hour administrator in President Obama's second term. And uh, if you recall, um, that second term is when they made changes to the overtime regulations. There was the persuader regulation that was issued. Uh, there was also lots of uh, administrators' interpretations that were issued during that term, and so that sort of came back to haunt him because there were, the Republicans were unified against him, and then three Democrats, the senators from Arizona, um, and then also Senator Manchin voted against him. Why so is Manchin this
0: who- and Manchin and Cinema?
2: Manchin, Cinema and Kelly, uh, and Kelly uh, okay. from, from Arizona voted against him. And uh, this is uh, sure like they'll they'll keep going, right? The Department of Labor will keep going. Maybe the president will nominate a new person. maybe he, maybe he won't. But this is a, it's a little bit like um, the Jayhawks heading into the game on Saturday without uh, Bill self, right? That, sure, they, somebody will will take the reins and they still got the talent and the kids can still play. Right. But you're they're going to be without their leader, without their coach. Right. So that's what's going to happen to the wage and hour division. Now, um, without while he is their sort of um, going to be their leader and really their I- ideological leader. He has all he's a he's an academic. He has all these philosophies about how he thinks uh, workforces should be arranged. Um, he has this whole concept of the fissured workplace. Uh, And so it's going to be a blow to them. And I think ultimately that's going to be good for all you folks out there who are who are dialing in because um, you want a little bit of disarray and you want um, to delay as much as you can or um, uh, limit their ability to uh, to issue regulations that, um, frankly, would be very uh, difficult uh, and burdensome for you. Right. Um, so, what what might those regulations look like, right? So, th- there's there's three, I think, three major regs that um, are uh, the Department of Labor has teed up that are, are could really impact you. The first one it was, you know, we get, we gave you a little bit of a glimpse into that. Is this the overtime regulation, right? Uh, this is uh, something that the Department of Labor has forecasted on their regulatory agenda. They said we're going to issue a proposal to change the overtime regulations in April of 2022. Uh so those dates are usually that, often that's, aspirational.
0: That's next, that, yeah, that's next month. Right. <laughs> that's tomorrow.
2: <laughs> right. That those dates are often aspirational, right? And they don't they're they're not required to hit that date. But it's sort of so I think maybe more like this the summer, late spring or summer, um we we might see that. Um, and if you recall, in 2016, President Biden and David Weil tried to to, to increase the salary basis threshold above 47,000, and then that got blocked at the very last second in the final few months of President Biden's President Obama's administration. Well, they're trying to go back at it again um, after the Trump administration tinkered with it too, but. This time, you know things are very different obviously now. the, um, the environment is very different from uh, you know 2019 when the Trump administration tinkered with it and then 2016 when the Obama administration tinkered with it. Uh, and even though we don't even have a proposal yet, all the, the labor lobbyists and trade groups in Washington DC are already gearing up for a fight. They've already told Department of Labor um, they've demanded to have meetings already with the Department of Labor. Uh, to talk about this because they want the Department of Labor to know several things. So, you know, one, uh, you know, the inflation, Bert, you mentioned inflation. We've got skyrocketing inflation. We still are having trouble hiring and retaining uh, employees. We're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with supply chain issues. We, um, uh, some of our workers are working remotely, which makes it a little bit more challenging from a wage and hour uh, environment. These are all reasons, Department of Labor, why you should think twice, about you know uh, tinkering with the current overtime regulations and especially raising it above thirty five thousand. Um, so there are- so
0: Jim Jim, are you hearing anything around D.C. about where they want to move that number to? Uh, obviously, I think during the Trump administration, it moved from, uh, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, about twenty four thousand dollars for. Uh, The salary threshold up to $35,000 during the Obama administration they had proposed moving it all the way from 24,000 all the way up to $46,000. And so where do we think this is heading?
2: Yeah, so uh, if you recall, the, the that Obama reg was struck down basically because the court said 47 is like is too far. They're like you're 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 wiping out all the other provisions of the rule, and and, and this is not what it's not within your authority to do this. So you would think that, that that you know with that that sort of case out there and that holding out there that going beyond beyond 47,000 could be a little bit challenging for them, but they've got clever lawyers employers have clever lawyers too. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see some legislators and I don't know how they think they're going to get away with this, but some Democrats have written just like labor groups are, or, or employer groups are, are are already approaching the Department of Labor. Some of our elected officials have uh, approached the Department of Labor and they said, we think you should raise the salary basis to 80000 Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is, you know, uh, absurd. And, um, you know, I don't know how they think they, they would get away with that. And it's, it's, it's unreasonable, um, obviously, but it shows you where some of the where some of our folks, our elected officials in Washington, D.C., where they think, uh, you know, our labor policy should be and sort of how out of touch they, they are with especially the small small businesses uh, in, in, in this country.
0: Well, that's a that's a great segue into our poll question. So maybe, Nick, you can throw the uh, poll results up. Uh, So talking about uh, what the the topic we are talking about on on the changes to the salary basis test, uh, the salary threshold, uh, the poll results really are are quite interesting here. I think that uh, it it looks like, you know, a little bit less than half of the respondents have said that uh, a change from the thirty five thousand Upwards really won't impact their business uh, too much. Uh, although if it moved to eighty thousand dollars, I think we'd see uh, I, I think we'd see a, a <laughs> that that part of the pie chart uh, change. So uh, now it says uh, uh, we're we're going to take out the funny response there, and uh, we we you know it, it looks like a lot you know it's a few people haven't heard about it uh, until today. Uh, the the big uh, darker green section, though, I think is really uh, important here, and that is we would consider making changes to our workforce. And, you know, it, it, we, we all hear about the salary basis threshold being moved. And, you know, some people think it's great. Other people think it's terrible. And, you know, one of the places that we see this, you go to your your average hardware store or grocery store these days or uh, a fast food restaurant. Uh, or or like a Panera, which I guess it's it's what medium medium food, um, still a sit down meal or whatever, but uh, they're not necessarily serving you. And you know the first thing you're confronted with when you when you go there in, into the service sector at uh, a restaurant is you've got kiosk to order. You are serving yourself your drinks, your your sodas and your in your water and and stuff like that. Uh, so you're confronted with that uh, I- I at the front end in in that sector, and then when you go to the grocery stores or your your hardware stores, and they've got all the uh, self checkout stations, and uh, you know, so you're confronted with that on the tail end of your purchase or your experience at the at the hardware store or grocery store, and so you know, you you think about it that let's say the minimum wage moves from, you know, what what is it right now? seven. seven, uh, seven Seventy-five an hour, or something in that area, uh, and you know, you you raise it to fifteen dollars an hour, you double it. And what a lot of these businesses will do is they'll pivot and they'll say, "Fine, we had two employees working for us at seven seventy-five an hour. What we're going to do is we're going to have one employee working for us at fifteen dollars an hour, and we're going to put more kiosks in. Uh, we're going to put more self-checkout stands in, and so." Ah, uh, business reacts. Business knows that they can only get away with paying so much to uh, to labor. And my concern is is that the the faster and the further we push uh, some of these some of this agenda, the the more it's going to accelerate automation. And so I think that that big dark green section that we see that looks like probably at least a quarter of our respondents are saying they would consider making changes to the workforce if, uh, if minimum wage increases and the salary uh, threshold increases, Jim, you have any comments on the poll results there? Sure,
2: no, and I, I agree with you, Bert. And and you you hit the nail on the head. The industries that are really going to be impacted by this are you know retail and and, and hospitality, right? If you're in uh, manufacturing and you know maybe healthcare and so, some other industries, maybe that's not it's not as much of a concern, but. For hospitality and retail, this is sort of their, like, it's like their bread and butter, you know, yep. um, and uh, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that that ends up. You know, another thing that, you know, because we're getting close to the uh, hour, Bert, is I do want to talk about um, a couple of other issues at Department of Labor dealing with independent contractor and joint, joint employer, because we know those are going to be be teed up. Again, the administration suffered another loss. Uh, this time in, in court, and I'm talking about the independent contractor rule. The Trump administration, uh, wh- whatever you say, what, you know, think about um, President Trump and his administration is fine. But from the labor and employment policy perspective, um, it, 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 the, it was very pro-employer, right? The, the regulations, the subregulatory documents, the compliance assistant very um, conducive to, to employers and trying to help employers navigate the complex web of statutes and regulations because they understand that you know em- employers hire workers and they provide health care and, and you know allow workers to pay their bills right so um, it's been a complete 180 obviously with this a- administration and Bert and I were talking earlier it's not just that this a- administration is 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 pro-employee. But there's a real underlying animus, we think, towards uh, employers, not just in the labor and employment space, but in everything they do, in antitrust, in the way they view the tax system. It's a very sort of uh, punitive uh, uh, philosophy uh, towards employers. Uh, So one of the first things that they did, this administration, in the spring of 2021, was they rescinded uh, a regulation that President Trump had issued. Uh, that makes provides greater flexibility for uh for um entrepreneurs uh and and for employers to to engage with independent contractors right um and the uh biden administration said no we're getting rid of that because we think that um all workers should be employees and all employees want to join unions that's basically their 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 philosophy they they you know really sort of take this um really antiquated version of uh, view of um of of workers right they 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 don't like the gig economy they don't like um, workers being um, you know entrepreneurs being able to hang out their own shingle they want everybody to be an employee of somebody else um because that way they fall under the the scope of um uh, federal labor law protections but anyway so they said we're getting rid of this this Trump regulation and they did it very quickly. Well, some groups uh, sued a, a, a group called, I think it's called the Coalition to Protect Entrepreneurial Innovation or something like that. Um, and they uh, they sued and they won. The court said that the, the Trump or the Biden administration didn't follow the, the right process, the right procedures. They did it too quickly. Um, they didn't consider alternatives. So um, so they, they, they um, reinstated the Trump era rule that makes it easier for you to engage with uh independent contractors right that 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 it's um you're not going to have to be as concerned that the department of labor is going to come back and say hey you know that that um that cleaning crew uh that you have come in every night every at the end of the day you know they're um they're your employees or whatever or they're, they're they're not independent contractors Um, so that's a good, good development for you all. And then this goes back to what I was saying without the David Weil there, without a leader, uh, who knows how they're going to respond to this. They're, they're stuck with this Trump era regulation right now. That's on the books. They're going to try to appeal, um, and they're going to try to redo their rescission in a, in a way that dots all the I's and crosses the T's, but this slows things down for them. And is really helpful because I was thinking that right about this time we would be seeing a sort of them trying to um, uh, almost make it like a California-style ABC test, uh, where it makes it really challenging for uh, uh, for independent contractors. Um, so, so, so Jim,
0: we we've been talking most of our time about the Department of Labor. Uh, let me ask you this: with with only a couple minutes left, uh, we we haven't heard much from. Uh, the EEOC and the NLRB during the uh, Biden administration, sure. and this is my way of kind of prompting you and prompting our listeners uh, to to buckle up. Can you can you give right. a, a little bit of uh, description of what's going on there, why we haven't heard much, and what we might expect?
2: Sure. So just very quickly with the EEOC, because they're on. Um uh staggered uh terms five-year terms there it's unlike other executive branch agencies they're an independent agency so they still have a republican majority at the eeoc there's three republicans and two democrats that majority is going to end in june i wouldn't be surprised if in the next few weeks we hear about a nominee from president biden so that as soon as that republican uh term expires they can have somebody sworn in, uh, Democrats sworn in the other day and, and the following day and take control of, of the EEOC. Um, but that, that won't happen until the summer. Um, there's also no politically appointed general counsel uh, at, at the EEOC, it's a career person running the show. And that's where the enforcement happens, right, at the general counsel's office. Um, and that's where a lot of our clients' um, interactions with the EEOC occur, right? It's from in the, the enforcement space. So. Um, again, they're fl- flying a little bit uh, rudderless there or sailing a little bit rudderless there. Uh, the board, the NLRB, is similar in their terms, but they were able to flip the board in August of, of this year. So they got Democratic control of the board in August of 2021. Sorry. Uh, and they're sort of getting their legs on, underneath them. Right? They're, they're, they are um making waves and you know they're they're attacking arbitration agreements they are going after independent contractors uh a, as well so they're getting their momentum because they've had this head start that the EEOC doesn't have uh but i suspect uh in you know the, the spring and the summer um for them to really um ramp it up the other thing to the, to their credit to the board's credit um they are they understand that process matters, and they don't want to run afoul and make the same mistakes that their colleagues in the Department of Labor made by rescinding Trump-era decisions too quickly. Uh, so they're they're going they're really um, taking their time, and they're putting a lot of these uh, potential decisions out for comment from the public. And they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna, thinking about doing this. Do you all have any thoughts about if we change the policy?" And so I, I give them credit for that. it's It's a slower um, turning of the aircraft carrier, uh, but in a way, they're doing it in a way that can protect potentially inoculate themselves from from legal challenge.
0: But so, so thanks thanks for that, uh, Jim. So uh, this comes from our our listener, Martin. I know we're we're just up against the hour right now. And Martin says, for sake of discussion, if you assume, Republicans take control of the House and Senate in November would you predict then that the next 2 years there will be basically no new legislation
2: Yeah i i think so uh, at least in the labor employment space i i do always um want to be conscious of the fact that i i often come across cynical about congress's ability to to get things done there are you know things that they they can agree on you know they 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 sign they get you know Scores of laws passed every session. They got a big bipartisan infrastructure bill passed just se- several months ago. Um, you know they they were able to work on COVID, so there are things that that they can do. So I I, I don't I want to give them a little bit of credit. I don't want to be too negative about our, our our legislators, but I think really um, quite frankly that Martin is right that particularly in the labor and employment space. I can't see any any labor and employment bill that a a Republican Congress would pass that President Biden would sign.
0: So we're we're heading toward gridlock. Well, we're we're about done with the program, Nick. I understand that in Phil's absence today, you've played a trick on me here. What 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 do you got going on?
1: Okay, you're pinning it on me now. <laughs> well, what, what we do have is the other poll results. I, I know people want the results because there were so many that got involved. Uh, we want to know what happened to Bert's tooth, which he yeah. is showing off. Uh, yeah. Let's let's get him showing it off right, right there. Right there. Okay, so the responses are in. Okay, and, and
0: and what what do we have here, Nick? Since I don't even know what these responses. are? Well, I'm are. gonna
1: I'm gonna let you know. So, um, probably the least responses were pending dental work. We just don't think ah. that that is likely. Um, uh-huh. Now, right right behind that was Jim and Bert stayed up too late last night so maybe so but jim looks fine so either he's just can handle a little more or um he can handle himself a little better um training to become a blues hockey player was very popular it was extremely popular but between the
0: the the long hair the beard and the missing tooth now i'm i'm almost fulfilling my wannabe uh dream of being a a blues player yes
1: but by far and large this is the winner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he said it depends one too many times to his wife, so that was the the runaway winner.
0: Got it. Well, it's my my good friend Portia pointed out to me that uh, the the missing tooth was really obvious on air, and I hate to tell everybody I'm just having some dental work done. Nothing exciting. Uh, Jim Jim and I weren't out too late last night. My wife didn't uh, finally get sick of me, but uh, yeah, the missing tooth. The, now now folks get to watch this gap get closed over the. Uh, next several programs here or the next year or so. So uh, get our, used to the look.
1: It's our new Corona yeah, squirrel. So,
0: exactly. So, well, Jim, I want to thank you so much for participating today. You're always a wealth of knowledge with your, uh, uh, you know, finger on the pulse of, of what's happening in DC. And I think it's really beneficial for our uh, listeners to hear what's going on. So thank you again for participating. And we will be back on the air next uh, Thursday. Thank you.
2: If you've ever been to a career fair, there are many different companies there all clamoring for the attention of these 22, 23-year-olds just about to graduate college. And we needed something that set us apart. So we produced a VR video that showed a glimpse in the life of what it was like to work for Nortec. But they could do so in a way that really was pushing the edge of technology, which is how we wanted to be seen by those candidates. We empower our employees to reach forward and look for those new opportunities. And the VR technology, using it during the recruiting process, allowed us to do that.